Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. It's Dev Raga, Personal Finance, and this is episode 27 And in this episode, we'll talk about inflation, because in all of my previous episodes, I've talked about the basic concept of saving 20% of your after-tax income, and then using it and putting it towards savings or investments. And hopefully over time, if you keep repeating it, the power of compounding takes effect. And when you retire um, over a 30 or 40 year time frame, you'll end up with a significant amount of assets in terms of savings and investments outside of super. But one of the key things that we probably should understand is that only works if the return on your investment and your savings rate is greater than what's termed as inflation. And inflation is a potential retirement nest egg killer if you don't understand it and if you don't expect it and if you don't plan for it. So in this episode, we'll go through a little bit of geeky economic principles because I think it's extremely important to understand the concept of inflation and why your real return on investments matters over the long term. And what real return of investments means, it's your return minus whatever the inflation rate is over that time frame. Because over time, money loses value. And this is why keeping money as cash is an absolute ridiculous concept unless you keep it as cash for just emergencies. So gone are the days hiding money under the mattress, in the walls. Um, It's certainly not recommended because over time, that money loses value. And that's purely because of inflation. Now, before we go into that topic, um, as you know, my podcast um, is essentially about um, uh, the basic concepts of personal finance. um, And also, I've started a Facebook group called Devraga Personal Finance. Um, You can search for it on Facebook. It's a public group. And I just post every now and again about some basic principles. Um, So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to post on that Facebook group or email, SMS, phone, call me if you know me. I'll try and answer the questions. And in my previous episode, um, I talked about geographic arbitrage as one of the personal finance principles and strategies that you may employ or have employed in your life in order to maximize your savings and in order to minimize your expenses and therefore maximize your investments. Now, one of the most famous or probably the most common examples of geographic arbitrage is basically in retirement, you move to a country that has far less um, cost of living than the country that you're currently living in. So I live in Australia, so it's not uncommon for a lot of Australians to move over to Bali or to Vanuatu, New Caledonia, although New Caledonia I think is a little bit pricey, or Fiji, in order to retire because the cost of living in those countries um, is much less, which means the power of the dollar goes further for the same dollar that you have and spend, which means your retirement nest egg, you know, if you had a million dollars in retirement at a gross rate uh, of return of 4% in dividends, then that 4% is $40,000. Now, $40,000 in Australia doesn't go very far. 
especially 30 years from now. So, But $40,000 may go a significant distance in those other countries that have a significant low cost of living. So there you go. One of the actual listeners pointed that out to me, so thanks very much for that. So it's a very, very good example of geographic arbitrage later in life to maximise your living standards with the retirement income that you have from your retirement nest egg. Now, the second thing is um, I I have mentioned in my previous podcast about this 20% savings rate. Now, I have to sort of clarify that. It's 20% of after-tax income, and you don't have to, like, save it straight away, guys. You just have to work towards it. So if you can't save 20% after-tax, then, yeah, save 5% or 6% or 7% or 10% or 15%, whatever you can save. But what I'm trying to get at, the principle here is, The more you save now, the more time that money has to work towards your return, and over time, the investments compound, and you've got to work towards the 20%. Now, if you never get to the 20%, that's okay, but just don't give up just because you can't save 20% today. Even if you can save 2 or 3%, that's fine. That's completely better than not saving at all. The aim is to save. The actual number doesn't really matter in the short term, but if you can work towards that in the long term, that should be your, that should be your goal. Okay, so let's talk about inflation. Now, historically, inflation has been around for generations. Now, for example, when they used to use gold as a means of um, currency, um, then they would mix um, you know some of that gold with some bare metals, and after melting it, and then reissue that as you know reduced gold uh, in terms of percentage gold in that coin. So this creates more circulating currency, but it creates less value. So you need to pay more of that gold for the same product. Now, there are two types of inflation. So what is inflation in general? It's historically, it's basically the rise of price for goods and services as time goes on. That's all it is. So over time, you notice that the price of goods and services keep rising ever so slowly. That's why a Mars or a Snickers bar 30 years ago was probably only 20 or 30 cents. Today, it's $1.50 or $2 or whatever it is uh, that you that you buy from Coles or Woolies. So that is inflation. The price of petrol, I remember 30 years ago, was like 30 cents. Now it's $1.50 in some parts of Australia. So that is inflation. Um, so there are two main types of inflation. Um, now, the sustained rise in general price of goods and services, that's called price inflation, which is the most common type of inflation that we tend to talk about. Um, and there's also the increase in the money supply called monetary inflation. This is by far the main reason why inflation occurs, why prices rise in the long run. Now, it's really important to differentiate between inflation and demand. For example, if you buy heaps of product A and not much of product B, then the price of product A increases because it's in more demand, not because of inflation. This tends to happen for goods and services, which are seasonal. You know, for example, if you have the new iPhone that's just been released, that is in super demand. The price of that iPhone is going to be high, not because of inflation, it's because a lot of people want it. If you have, um, if you live in a part of a country or part of the state where certain fruits or vegetables um, are not readily available, so for example, mango season in Australia is during summer and spring, um, we may find that mangoes are very expensive in winter. You can still get them, but in summer is much more cheaper because um, they are locally produced. Now that is because of supply and demand issues. That is not because of inflation. 
Now, consider some of the other related definitions. Um, deflation, that's a really important concept, is when the opposite of inflation, so basically falling price levels. Disinflation, decreased rate of inflation over time. Hyperinflation, now this has been in the media quite a lot. It's basically out of control inflation. A good example is Venezuela at the moment is really struggling economically. Um, in late 2018, their inflation rate was 800,000%. That means that if you had a dollar on Monday and it inflates at 800,000%, that dollar is worthless by Tuesday. So how could you ever plan your life? How could you ever um, you know, correct your finances or talk about your finances or even plan for your finances? And this just creates more and more unrest in that country. Zimbabwe, a much worse example in uh, at the height of the crisis in 2018, their inflation rate was 79 billion percent. That's right, 79 billion percent. So essentially, the monetary policy in that country is non-existent. So hyperinflation is a real risk. Stagflation, inflation where there's slow economic growth um, and there's low inflation and high unemployment, triple whammy. So that's just an economic disaster. Um, reflation, active attempt to inflate prices due to the effects of deflation. And it's also really important to note that inflation is only if the product or service quality doesn't improve. So let me give you a real-life example. If you go to Woolies or Coles and buy a can of tomatoes for a dollar, and then it becomes a dollar ten the following week, but the can of tomatoes is larger, that's not inflation because you're getting more can of tomatoes and you're paying more for it. It's only if the same can of tomatoes over a period of time becomes more expensive. That is inflation. Now, the other concept that are probably worthwhile talking about is inflation um, as a marker. Well, sorry, uh, inflation as a concept, which is closely linked to something called the consumer price index. So what is the consumer price index? You would have heard about it in the media, the CPI, CPI, CPI. Basically, the Consumer Price Index, it's an index which measures the broad prices of goods and services. So how is it calculated? It's calculated based on a broad survey of consumers and the cost of certain products and services. This includes food, groceries, petrol, utilities, etc. And there are government bodies that do this research and they do these surveys and they keep a very close eye on inflation because it affects the economy and it can destroy an economy if not managed successfully. Venezuela and Zimbabwe are two classic recent historical examples. This is globally termed monetary policy or fiscal policy. Now, once a CPI is calculated for about a year, it can be used to track it. So, you may have heard of the ASX 200 index. It's not a CPI index, but it's an index representative of the top 200 stocks in Australia and that representative of the Australian stock market. But it's still an index which tracks the stock market. So the CPI is an index that tracks the cost parameters for common goods and services. I'm oversimplifying it here, but for the purposes of this podcast, just think of inflation as a gradual rise in prices for goods and services over a period of time. Most economists and governments think inflation in moderation is actually a good thing. So, um, why does inflation happen? Well, there are two basic theories, but overall economists tend to believe inflation happens because of the growth rate of the money supply relative to the growth rate of the economy. So if you have more money floating around and the economy is not really growing as much as that, then inflation is very high, basically. Um, but there are 
two main concepts um, as to why inflation happens, and we probably should explore that in detail without getting too geeky, and you know I love geeky economics. The first economic theory is Keynesian economics, widely presented by John Maynard Keynes, uh, proposed that money supply doesn't affect prices in the long term, but there are a number of factors which affect it in the short and medium term. So there are uh, three subtypes, according to him. Demand pull inflation. Increased spending by private companies and the government means more jobs, which means more infrastructure, which means more goods and services created, and which creates economic growth, which means wages go up. And if they go up, then more demand for products, which pushes prices of products and services up. So it's an economic cycle. The second thing is cost push, in, cost, cost push inflation. I beg your pardon. This is due to major shortage of inputs, which are required to pro- produce products and services. So for example, if you didn't have enough petrol, and as a result, petrol prices went up, then transportation and logistics costs will rise, which may indirectly affect prices of fruits and vegetables because fruit and vegetables has to be grown and transported. Um, to shopping centres and Coles and Woolies, etc. So the businesses which sell fruits and vegetables can price this into their products, which tends to price rises. And there's also the third subtype, which is built-in inflation. Over time, the concept is wages rise, and this means businesses' costs rise because businesses have to pay these wages and they pass on these costs to customers by way of product and service price increases. Now, this is a very controversial topic because remember what happened in Australia in recent times is weekend penalty rates, et cetera, et cetera, for some professions has been cut. So that means there's been a wage stagnation, there's been a wage cut, and that may actually have the reverse effect of inflation because essentially the um, uh, the businesses either you know basically can't afford to pay the wage increases, so uh, they're taking advantage of the wage cuts, and the prices uh, don't actually go up. Now that may be good in the short and medium term, but in the long term, economists consider deflation is a real risk. So um, that's called built-in inflation. Now the chances are all of these factors in combination are in play in the short to medium term but not so much in the long term. Now, so what is the long-term view? The other main theory in the long-term view is a monetarist viewpoint. Um, They believe that the main reason for inflation is because growth of money supply, more money being circulated, which leads to loss of value of money. And as a result, you need to use more money to buy the same goods and services. This just means cost of everything goes up, which is exactly what inflation is. Now, Milton Friedman, if you haven't Googled him, he's, he's a really interesting character. Um, there's lots of videos on YouTube about him. He's a very famous economist who believed in the um, monetarist theory. Uh, there is enough empir- empirical evidence for this, and that is the main cause of inflation, that is increase in circulating money. So, who cares? Why is inflation an issue? Well, it's an issue because over time, the money that you make and the money that you earn and the money that you save and the money that you invest has to beat the rate of inflation. Otherwise, the money is gaining less value as time goes on. So let's talk a little bit about it. So that means that the purchasing power of money, that is $1 buying you know, a certain amount of goods and services today, um, is not going to be able to do the same goods and services in 10 years time because the value or the purchasing power of that $1 reduces over time. This is really important for saving, for investing. And when you save and invest, 
your returns have to at least match or beat inflation, otherwise you're not getting any real return. So if your inflation rate is 3% in 2018, I don't know what the inflation rates are, I'm just making this up, and your return was 8% in 2018, then your real return is actually 5%. That is 8% of your return minus inflation. You need to factor that in. So when you look at your superannuation, when you look at your savings, when you look at your stock market portfolio, when you look at your index fund portfolio, make sure you take into account inflation. So if you put money into a savings account, which has an interest rate of, I don't know, 0.1%, you're actually losing money. Putting money under your mattress is exactly the same as putting money into your savings account. It's a loss-making proposition. So Yes, have some emergency funds in your savings account. Yes, make sure you don't touch the money because remember the emergency fund, the concept is it's for emergencies. It's not to be invested. You need to have liquid cash lying around in case of unexpected expenses. But over the long term, if you have more money than what you have in the emergency funds, invest it. You know, offset it against your mortgage or do something with it apart from just putting it in a savings account because every year you're going to lose money. I can guarantee you that. So, This affects people, that is, inflation affects people depending on what they have and who they are. If you have assets which are physical, for example, if you're a shareholder, if you own a business, you have a building, you may benefit because your assets increase over uh, in value over time and people may choose to pay a lot more for them, usually over the inflation amount. So, for example, if you bought a house way back in 2000, um, and now that same house is now valued five or six times what you paid for it. That's because you have bought a physical asset which is gaining in value over time, essentially property market, right? Now, therefore, you are benefiting because people are going to pay much more than what inflation is because they know that asset class is going to increase over time. So if you're an asset holder, a shareholder or a business holder, then inflation is not really an issue, provided the returns are much greater than inflation. But if you're a trading income per time, that is, if you're trading your income in return for time, and let's face it, we all do it, I do it as well, because I go to work, you go to work, you get paid, that's called trading your time for income, i.e. the average worker. This creates a problem, as wages often don't match inflation. This is exactly what's happened in Australia. Stagnant wage growth, rise of utilities and other expenses due to inflation means people's purchasing power with money is actually decreasing and the public can feel frustrated and have a sense of getting nowhere. So if you have a look at what's happening in the last sort of five years, wages haven't really gone up. Inflation has kept going up because nothing really stops inflation. Um, and if the wages don't rise with inflation at least, that means you're actually earning less today than what you were earning 10 years from now. And that is really potentially annoying a lot of people, you know, people, particularly the millennials, the younger generation who are just getting, well, hang on, um, we're not getting paid much. The property market is through the roof. The stock market is through the roof. What do we need to do in order to save money in order to do better in life when it comes to investments and savings? So it can create a real hassle. So again, inflation affects different people in different ways depending on who they are. So my advice to all the listeners is that make sure you're an investor. Make sure you own businesses. Make sure you're not trading just time for income and just putting the money in the savings account apart from the emergency funds because if you're doing that, you are losing money. And in 30 years' time, you're going to look back and say, oh my God, I could have earned 8 9 10% per annum in return and inflation has been 3%, 
but I've only earned point you know point five percent over thirty years, but inflation's been three percent over time I've just cumulatively lost money now, what are the negative effects of inflation? Well, too much inflation it can be a drag on the economy. Uh, if there's too much inflation, it provides no security, adds market inefficiencies, and deeply affect planning for businesses. So imagine, if our inflation rate in Australia is the same as what it is in Venezuela, about 800,000%, that means, you know, if I'm earning a dollar today, what's it going to be worth in a year's time? It's going to be worth 800,000% less. So how can I plan for my economic future? How can I plan my businesses? How can I plan my wages? How can I plan my superannuation and my retirement nest egg? You know, it, it just doesn't work. So that's one of the biggest problems with inflation. It can have a huge negative uh, effect on the economy when there's too much inflation. Um, so, uh, you know, Zimbabwe is even worse, 79 billion percent inflation rate. You can imagine how angry people must feel and frustrated if your investing returns is a measly 8%, while at the same time, the loss of value of the money is at 79 billion percent. So practically, you've just wasted your investing time. So when businesses have same uncertainties, guess what they'll do? They'll pull all investments away from that country with high inflation, and this has a negative cascading effect leading to lack of businesses, lack of consumers, lack of services, and therefore high unemployment rate. And of course, that drives a cycle. Okay, So in fact, in hyperinflation societies, people hoard supplies, they hoard goods and services, and then try and profit from it or ration it. This leads to social unrest, revolts, and down goes the whole economy. So what the RBA does in Australia and other government departments when it comes to fiscal and monetary policy is extremely important and something we take for granted. And after having learned about inflation and how that all happens, I have renewed respect for the RBR and I have renewed respect for the Australian government agencies that monitor fiscal policy because it's an incredible job that they do and something that we take for granted on a daily basis. So when you calculate your investment returns and when you see ads for interest rates, always take into account inflation. I factor in inflation to be between 2 and 3% in Australia perpetually. Um, so you need to look up on what the actual rates of inflation has been in 2018. But if you factor in a safe of 2 to 3% inflation rate in Australia perpetually, barring any economic disasters, and I think that's a very, very safe bet for the long term. So in summary, inflation, the concepts, the principles, the geeky economics, yeah, they matter a little bit. But here's the crux of the matter. Inflation means the price of goods and services rise over time. And if you're investing and saving, you need to make sure that your return on investment is better than what inflation is. And if you factor in inflation rates of 2 to 3% in Australia, I think that's a relatively safe bet. And please don't hoard money under your mattress or on your walls or in a savings account that pays 0.5% interest rates over the long term. Of course, you need to have an emergency fund, but hoarding money and saving it in a savings account or not making the money work for you is not a long-term investment strategy. It's a very poor investment strategy. 
Now, this is Devraga Personal Finance. Uh, like all things, if you have any questions, comments, please email, Facebook, SMS, telephone me. I'm happy to answer questions. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the people that have provided advice. And thank you especially for that person that provided uh, an example, a real-life example of geographic arbitrage, which uh, which is a real common way that retirees do. They go to countries of low-cost living after they after their retirement age and make uh, make advantage and take advantage of the low cost of living. Um, and the Australian dollar goes very far in some countries overseas than it does locally. Now, until next time, save money, save that 20%. If you can't save 20%, that's fine. Save as what, whatever you can, but work towards that 20% goal. Invest the money, pay yourself first. Um, and until next time, Stay safe. This is Dev Raga Personal Finance uh, from Melbourne. And um, until next time, stay safe. And uh, episode 27 uh, is uh, finished. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about another concept in the next episode uh, called Sequence of Returns Risk. Uh, but until then, stay safe. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.